0: Hello and welcome back to Best Worst Podcast with Doug Good evening and Jacob And uh, we're here tonight drinking the Kalaala uh, 12 year um, Cheers yeah. And I bought this uh, bottle last night um, because I saw a movie about scotch. Oh, yes. (laughs) uh, um, Which is kind of why we've convened this uh, special edition. And I believe it came with uh, something special before the movie. Yeah. um, So, the movie is The Angel Share. It uh, is opening soon, I believe, but uh, next Thursday. Oh, okay. Which will probably, by the time you get this, will probably be last Thursday. uh, (laughs) Because that's the sort of uh, speed and efficiency. That's how we rolled. Yeah, Best Worst Podcast Headquarters works. And... um, and it's by uh, director Ken Loach, who we've discussed before in the program. Um, he's, he's an English... Well,
1: English or Scottish? He's English, isn't he? I think. Possibly Scottish. He's from the UK.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> to say, yeah. Almost all his movies are set there as well. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, when that shakes the barley is a film of his. Looking for Eric, Looking uh, for Eric, we had a couple of years uh, ago at festival. Um, Kez is a very old film of his, and he's uh, been, he's been. Uh, my name is Joe. For...
1: is quite a big older one of his as well yeah. from
0: early nineties that uh, I think that played festival as well. Yeah, he's been working for thirty or forty years, and mm. um, actually, it's funny I didn't even know till today that the very first Ken Loach film I saw. Um, I haven't seen that many, but I saw a film called Land Land and Freedom. Land and Freedom in nineteen 1990- ninety. 5 yep. um a girl i was dating was like hey we should go out you didn't know that and either to, to the um uh, i did not know that it was the first one that you saw yeah. um i knew that it was ken loach but um uh she said Let, let's go and see this movie and so i went and saw this what i remember being this really tediously dull <laughs> movie about a land war and um Spain. cycles yeah and cycles of violence that never break and um just really, yeah. And I, I hadn't seen many movies at the time. And as time went by, um, you know, I, Ken Loach's name came up a lot. His, um, and in fact, uh, the footage from one of his films, poor cow appears in a uh, Steven Soderbergh's limey, oh, yeah. uh, which we were just talking about. Cause it was on, um, a list of the top 50 films of the nineties, um, which, which it well deserves. Uh, and so I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll investigate him sometime, but then I was like, "Oh, but that was such a drudge, and I never got excited <laughs> and then also like you know at that point, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't available on v h S anyway eventually, wind that shakes the Barley" wins a big award at Cannes. opened the New Zealand open the Fe- New Zealand Film, Film festival. festival and um it begins with one of the least nuanced um portraits of evil I've ever seen in cinema, and um it's yeah it. As with all his films, it's highly political. And I think, actually, I should step back. Before this point, I'd also seen the uh, September 11 omnibus film. Have you seen that? No, I don't think I have. It's um, It was intrinsically probably a doomed piece of work yeah. to have um, filmmakers from all over the world say something significant about September 11 in 9 or 11 minutes. Um, and I, I don't remember much about it. But I do remember that Ken Loach's is basically like a long list of American war crimes and saying you know well you don't don't deserve any sympathy because you guys do this stuff all over the world and mo- I'm probably being slightly harsh in that, but not very harsh it was not it was very much about trying to put that into scale, and i'll admit that a as an American and b you know having friends that worked in the vicinity of ground zero yeah i may not be in the best place to emotionally detach myself to engage those arguments on a rational basis. Yeah. Um, but given that fuck you Uh, (laughs) was my reaction. Um, despite having that reaction, I went to see "Wind that shakes the barley and I had the same, like, this is really heavy handed. This is really, um, just creating this really stacked situation. Uh, and it does get into some interesting stuff in the second half where this revolutionary movement starts splintering among itself. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's just this this a story about these endless cycles of violence. And um, again, also, I mean, we've discussed before that I have maybe not as much of an interest in naturalism in cinema and more of an interest in stylization in some ways mm. and, and not often as drawn to social realism. I said to myself, I'll probably never see one of his films again. I don't know. Maybe if somebody gives me some free scotch or something with it, maybe I'll go see it. <laughs> and so the angel share comes along. <laughs> and sure enough, it's about scotch. It's about scotch, yes. uh, uh, around whiskey. Well, it's it's nominally. We'll get to yeah. how much it actually is. Um, but um, Rialto has a screening last night. Ten bucks, free scotch. I'm like, okay. I'm curious. Um, by this point, the... the Angel Share has played the festival. Yeah. gotten from mildly pleasant to highly favorable reviews from everybody. I haven't talked to anybody who really disliked it. Yeah. Um, the worst I was, meh, yeah, it's okay. Everyone was kind of like, oh, it's really different from his other stuff, you know? Um, And, you know, I, I mean to give it a go. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to be, like, hating on somebody who's loved by all these people and are well-liked. And I, I want to find out what's, the thing and and maybe it's just that those two films are an outline you know the guy's done 25 films and in different styles or something so maybe i've just hit the wrong two on the uh tree possibly um well well angel share is different
1: yeah angel share to me it's it's a somewhat of a natural progression from his previous film well the previous film that i saw of his he's probably done some in between that haven't made new zealand but the one that came to the festival last time looking for eric right um kind of stepped away from his trademark style so The the, pro, the previous one to that was oh i forget the name of it it's about a girl who opens up uh who's a single mum and opens up a uh, kind of a dodgy employment agency to get um foreign nationals working in the in the uk um and that one was in classic loach style i i think there's there's a couple of things his last two films that that we've seen here, at least, um, *Angel Shear* and *Before Looking for Eric*, have kind of moved into almost a more whimsical phase, where you get a, a social realist sort of backdrop and characterization of the characters, but the plotting and narrative is quite almost feel good comedy. In this state, um, mm-hmm. *Looking for Eric* had some comedic sort of terms in it, where, where, where it was this guy who was obsessed with um, Eric Cantona and kind of believed that Eric was telling him things. you kind of mm. saw him delivering messages about changing his life and what have you. Did it have a similar... so? But there were very intense kind of realistic violence. In Looking for Eric
0: as well? Yeah. yeah.
1: Moments of it. But, um, right. but whereas his other films have been pretty relentless as, as you say. Mm. But the, the major difference I think between the other two that you've seen which is Winds at Shakes the Bali and Land of, Land of Freedom mm. is that they're both period films um, whereas That's the rest true, of them yeah. are very current... Um, or, or recent um, historical pieces set in working class London, and essentially his films, even in the in the um, one set out uh, in, in period pieces, um, they're heavy handed, yes, but they're about um, their fix and the cycles of poverty and powerlessness. Um, and he comes from a socialist background, right. hence Land and Freedom, um, which I didn't realise was a Ken Loach film at the time. I was completely unaware of him as a filmmaker when I saw it. Um, which was, would have been about 95 as well, I think, when, when it came out yeah. in 96, when it played somewhere bizarre and Takapuna, I think. And I was quite new to art house cinema at that stage. Um, and that was about um, socialism, like a, a idealist young socialist from the UK who wanted to support the um, socialists in um, Spain who were rebelling against Franco, um, the dictator in Spain, and how that all went wrong, and then how... He looks a lot at how ideals crumble in in actual situations. How you might right. th- think um, this is what I think about the situation. I really want this to be the. Um, I I really believe this, but when faced in real life situations where you have to deal with hurt and pain, and a bit like um, one uh, that shakes the barley, um, where you had this definite kind of bad guy that everyone could, like to a degree, the English were set up as a, as a as the fall guy. But when yeah. you look at Irish history and the current even the current state of um, Ireland. Clearly, there's a lot of built-up history and, and and hate there. It's, yeah, well, to you, be fair, you, you, can, I, you can say yeah. it's
0: heavy-handed. Except
1: that in real life, it's like that.
0: I, I, <laughs> I and, and to be fair, I mean, I went in not knowing any yeah. of the history, and I, I yeah. came out of that film feeling like I'd been told a really yeah. one-sided story. And uh, a yeah. few months later, I was talking to an Irish friend, and or, and we were discussing this film, and like, and like they just seem like one-sided, you know, evil things he's like well they kind of were and i mean yeah. i'm not in a position to comment on that yeah but i like was thinking about you know if i saw a film with the nazis i wouldn't be like oh they haven't stopped to show all the good they've done you know i would yeah. be like, it's the nazis they're the bad yeah, guys yeah. and the fact that i don't know that they're the bad guys yeah. because of my lack of historical knowledge doesn't mean that i should be criticizing necessarily for painting a nuanced Picture, but it there is to
1: to a degree he gave a he gave a a somewhat I guess it was could be seen as flimsy, but an explanation that um, the soldiers that were based in Ireland were fresh back from the horrors of World War One, where they'd been dealing out violence and and faced with it, and so they came with I guess a slightly more calloused um, point of view and way of acting, um, and and they brought that into a into a domestic situation where there was racism and and a, a lot of political um, power struggles right um, so but I think essentially that was setting up um, his key point, which you pointed to in the second half, which was okay, you have these people that are united against a common enemy as they see it, or has, as he 's portrayed at the English, um, but then when boiled down, they have these ideals, but they can 't agree on what 's best, and so essentially the um, you, you, the film um, turns where um, two brothers. Uh, are on opposing sides of this ideological um, situation, which turns into a civil war because they can't decide. One one side says the English are offering us this. It, realistically, this is the best we're going to get. It means we get regain some control of our country um, and get some power, actual power back, and people start getting fed and all of stuff. And other people saying, No, we can't agree to any compromise. We've got to stick with our ideals and 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 screw and and just. You know, screw the the English and screw uh, compromising at all, but not kind of processing the f- actual physical results of that on the populace and on families and on people that have to live in that situation. Um, and so they end up fighting each other and sort of, sh- I guess, showing how how difficult it is to um, to hold an ideal and even to kind of to push for what you believe because it, the, when it meets, meets the real world, it very much that
0: splinters and doesn't ideals don't stand up very easily. And, Mm. and actually discussing that, I, here's, here's a way, another way to talk about my reaction Mm. to the angel share, Mm. like, which was very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the angriest I felt in a cinema all year. I just got more and more angry during it. And I, and actually for the first 10 minutes, I kind of of enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to get into that. Um, and I struggled with that a lot during it and, um, it's a well acted film um, and, you know, we're Best Worst Podcast, and, you know, we talk about best worst movies a lot, and, you know, movies that are terrible, but somehow you come to love them. And I almost felt like, in some ways, The Angel's Chair had this, perhaps somehow occupied this sort of worst best movie thing, where it was this film <laughs> that was well made, and and wor- seemed to be working on the audience around me, but somehow, in the same way that, like, You know, some people just aren't receptive to the idea that a bad movie can be good. Yeah. Like, somehow that... Those ingredients uniquely curled in me. And I think um, a lot of what you're talking about when you talk about, well, this movie shows what can happen in a revolutionary movement, is that you're getting into something that's kind of like thesis statement cinema, which is, I have a belief about the world, and I'm going to create a narrative to convince you that my belief about the world is true. And obviously lots of people make movies to prove, you know, that their viewpoint is the thing. A lot of them are documentaries, you know? Yeah. I mean, Pink Ribbon Zinc, actually before this was the angriest I got in a theater this year, but I I wasn't angry at the film. I was angry because the film was rucking me up about, you know, how screwed up um, the industry was in regards to breast cancer. Whereas, um, with the angel share, um, there's an opening scene that's quite funny and um, just to set the scene you know I show up and I've got a been given a Craig and Moore 12 year and a um, Lagavulin 16 year both of which play minor roles in the um, uh, plot and by far one of the nicest things of the evening was actually having tasted those going mm-hmm. into the film and um, everybody's told me it's this kind of you know pleasant wacky little heist movie um, and it's very different from stuff and so we've got an opening scene that's a bit funny with this dumb as rocks character Mm. who inexplicably is one of the more inexplicable things about the movie. At some point I'm going to have to break into spoilers, but we'll avoid that for a bit. Um, and then it goes into a series of sentencing, like the credits play over a long series of criminals getting sentenced to community service. Um, and our various characters meet through this community service thing. And that sort of that plot, but there's one character in particular who's a lead character who, I don't even know if I knew the name of while I was watching. I've certainly forgotten by now. Um, and it, he goes off for his first day of community service and he finds out that his, um, girlfriend is about presumably girlfriend. They, Mm. I don't think they're married, um, is about to have, um, their child. And so he has to leave community service to go there. And so from the moment that they step into the, um, hospital hmm. for the next 15 minutes we entirely derail from what was getting to know these characters and what was sometimes an awkward combination of broad comedy and naturalism I, yeah. I i i had a real struggle i was still enjoying it but i had a struggle with kind of things that were supposed to feel quite naturalistic but like broad feeling very ridden comedy points you know kind of physical comedy of scraping paint off very fervently and falling on somebody um and then we have 15 minutes of thesis cinema of there's this cycle of violence that's unbroken all these horrible things will continue to happen and there's no escape and that's it's a trope of these movies right and i'm not not necessarily just ken loach's but quite a few that you can never escape the town somehow Mm. like and i don't understand how the uk works but apparently you can never leave the town like because the all the violence is there and there's no place to go. It's like you can't move to a neighboring town. You know, there's no there's no escape. Um, except no, there is, and we'll get to it's, that.
1: Actually, I haven't I haven't read it read it like that. And, and, and well, I I wouldn't say that that they're saying that there's no escape, but rather that he can't escape, right? Uh, I think he could. He chooses not to for some reason until... until. I I think... Are we getting into spoiler territory yet? Well, no, but I I can speak more generally about this. um, I think what, what he's trying to, like, what he's illustrating is that particularly when you're in poverty, it's a lot more difficult to change your situation. But also, it's difficult to make a choice to leave everything you know... Because it's not just the negative; it's everything you know that's positive as well. It's your friends, your family. To try and step out of that um, and 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 break the cycle is is a difficult thing. And another movie that comes to mind that I haven't seen but I've heard a little bit about that's coming, Smashed, talks about alcoholism uh, okay. and someone trying to break out of that. Um, um, played by uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and and um, from what I've uh, read and seen in the thing uh, seen in the trailer and stuff, it's about her and her husband being. Uh, alcoholics, and then kind of coming face to face with that in a very kind of low key, right. realistic way. But then her trying to realise she has to make some changes, and then the difficulty of actually doing that when all of your social situation and family is tied up in that scene, right. and having to break all those ties to be to make the change that you need to make, and that that's not an easy thing because when you have to write people off and
0: to to get where you feel like you need to be. To be healthy emotionally, or I agree with I agree with that being a problem. and I agree with that being an interesting thing to dramatize, but yeah. I don't think that this film did that. And certainly by the end, I don't feel that that carries that, that there's any emotional weight on um, on that side. There doesn't. Um, and maybe we'll just put off slightly more without mm. trying to get too far yeah, yeah. into spoilers. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I guess I guess what what uniquely. I guess made me more and more angry is partially the fact that I kept falling into this same trap of going to see these guys' in movies again and expecting something different, something different yeah. and getting another piece of thesis cinema. But also, what's interest? And I actually, I, I was so I was questioning myself for a while because you're you know you talk about it being about people in poverty. I'm like, am I a bad person? Am I just not interested in stories about people in poverty? Am I you know do I not have some kind of receptivity to this and I started thinking about films like Sister which I saw at the film festival this year that you you know I really liked and a a film called The Arbor that played a couple years ago oh yeah who was that that was uh, I'm not going to remember the director or the that was from the UK as well it it? it was from the UK and it was based I think Andrea Dunbar was the name of the writer and it was based on readings of hers Um, and those films um, were about um, characters who in some ways perhaps were similar but in very Told in very different ways and with very different intents, and um, the Dardennes came to mind as well. And yeah. I, I know that, like um, you, strongly love the Dardennes. I have yeah. um, some reservations, but I, and on a whole, my least favorite Dardenne film uh, it would still be far um, preferable to me than any Ken Loach film that I've ever seen. Yeah. And one thing that, again, getting into this kind of um, stacking the deck, I would is, say similar actually I feel the same okay fair enough um then maybe we're not as far apart as I thought but um um the kind of um the Dardens are very pure in their approach to naturalism mm. you know there's no score there's no um they film everything the same way yeah um whereas in this film you know they they bring, they're they're relying on some of the tropes of naturalism to make you feel that it's real you know using mm. What, who I think are non-professional actors at certain points, and you know, shooting on what looked like Super 16 mil, very grainy stock, <laughs> and um, and all these things. But then, bringing in score at certain points. Um, there's a violent scene where they suddenly start bringing in some techno music when people are chasing each other out of out of nowhere, and the, the Proclaimers is used for the very loudly when, the, yeah, yeah. when in one of the film's many lurches of tone. And, yeah, but why did I get so angry? That's a really good question. (laughs) I built up quite a head of steam about this, and I was ready to talk about this, and now I kind of want to um, um, wonder, how how can a movie that's so innocuous at a certain level make you so angry and have you ever had that response out of proportion before we get into sort of the maybe more spoiler talk yes. where I can get into yes. some of those things so like- possibly
1: for different reasons I don't, I don't know maybe yes. it's the same reasons um I, I've mentioned it before but um I atonement <laughs> rocked me up no end um it was and, and for me it's because I just watched it and felt like it was being Oscar bait um and there were a few particular things, like the big, um, the big moving camera around the beach. Okay, scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was unnecessary. It was, and, and it, for me, it was. Um, it didn't really add to the film aside from making this pretty um, work of camera movement. That to me, the only reason you put it in is because you were maybe gunning for a cinematography award. Yeah. Fair um, enough. But, and i didn't re- i didn't think that the that the film held much weight outside of those things
0: yeah um the book I take it as somewhat better yeah i love I loved the book, but I saw the movie and I enjoyed it fine um and yeah there's a lot of movies that um i mean there's movies that I've disliked that I would say you know are objectively um i would warn people against and i f- i feel in an awkward position in a way because I don't want to. Um, discourage distributors from taking on things for one thing that are um potentially challenging and also um uh you know i it seemed in general that the audience enjoyed it but um you know i and I came out with my friend who size and he he was like oh yeah, it was kind of nice I'm like Rrr. I'm like, but, you know, I'm not going to try to talk to you guys today. He's like, what do you think? He's like, I thought it was a pleasant little movie. I'm like, you mean, like, during that 15 minutes in the beginning where they were all beating the crap out of each other and all that stuff? He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. And it, it's... Uh, it's yeah. interesting how your sort of impression of a movie sort of overrides...
1: Yeah. Oh, well, see, like, that that that's, I guess... That would be the case for your friend if they're not sort of used to Ken Loach films. But I'm being well versed in them. I'm used to the the misfortune, the violence, the the things that people get themselves, scrapes that people get themselves into, which are often that the that tone remains across the entire film. Not necessarily physical violence the entire time, but but the the kind of the. That since you you sort of talk about of of overwhelming odds and and um and the difficulty of of change, um mm. of affecting change, whereas this and looking for Eric were somewhat more um optimistic but also kind of more feel good and co- comedic sort of films. Whereas uh, when you're used to seeing Loach, that's not like that. Then this is like I've oh, retained some elements of of his social realist sort of things. And and I guess it's not to say that every every person in poverty's experience is like that, but that these experiences I think are drawn from reality. It's like, um, my name is Joe, which I really loved, you know, it was um there was I mean, a lot of uh, about a football team that a guy manages with a bunch of kids and, you know, Parents getting angry and beating kids. I mean, that stuff goes on. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's gone on in some of my family, and you know, it's.
0: Oh, and I don't, and I don't intend to deny the reality of it, but when it's presented in a dramatic arc that's trying to make a point, I'll give you an example. Uh, it yeah. has to be sort of a vague example, yeah. but I edit documentary for a yeah. living, you know, and um, I had a strange experience where I edited sh- edited a show, and there was an incident involving one of the people, and it was kind of, it, it was something that we really wanted to include. It happened to show that person in a particularly bad light, oh, right. but um, it was, they deserved to be shown in a bad light for what they did, to be honest, um, and I spent a lot of time, and it, strangely, there was no way to put that footage together without it feeling like we were artificially yeah. creating that situation. <laughs> And so, even though it was real, yeah, yeah. and even though I knew it was real because I had watched the footage and I knew exactly what had happened, mm. there was no way to condense that narrative mm. without making it look artificial mm. and like we were stitching them up. It was a strange thing, and in the end, we didn't include it and couldn't. And it was, it was, it, and obviously, you know, drama is different than documentary. But um, for instance, um, there's a whole scene that's set in uh, as part of the main character's rehabilitation he has to go and um meet his victims for the crime that he's committed yeah. and um there was a thank you at the end which made it clear that they had spent time with that unit and it was very much intended to be you know represent factually what happens when that sort of thing hmm. happens and it it did feel a bit like here's this community service where we've kind of like we've we've deliberately taken something that's quite extreme to give what this character has to go through Mm -hmm. um, just to test your sympathy because of course the film is called The Angels Share Mm -hmm. and it's highly implied that our characters are angels and if you don't think they're angels then maybe you're a bad person because you know of course they've been through this and 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 I, mean, I, 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 I i i certainly didn't read it like that i i it, it i you know and i i i freely admit it man i was i I'm giving this film the doubt of the benefit you know yeah. <laughs> I, and like if i if I had to give it a number rating I wouldn't be giving it a one like i'd be yeah. i'd be if I was reviewing it for something I'd probably give it a four or, or five maybe you know because mm. it's not objectively terrible it's not a slow watch um I am going to go into mild spoilers now. Yeah. I've seen three science fiction films in the past uh, three weeks now. Yeah. I saw Looper. Yeah. I saw Dread 3D, and now I've seen The Angel Share. Oh, yeah. And of those three science fiction films, the only one I had implausibility with was the one about the kid whose friend steals 20 bottles of Taster Whiskey from something and immediately develops an encyclopedic knowledge for all types of whiskey ever. Like... <laughs> <laughs> And maybe if I'd seen Looking for Eric, I would have appreciated that more as magic realism, um, because I did. I didn't read it as magic realism. I just read it as as dramatic contrivance, and that was, um, so was yeah, a major was, point where it's like, oh well, he's in this horrible situation, but lucky he just. had... I mean, anyone who's listened to this at all knows that we drink scotch. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I've you know, I mean, I don't have lots of books or whatever, but you know, I spent quite a few years at scotch bars, sitting around and trying stuff and trying to develop a taste for it and you know maybe i'm just a complete scotch idiot but like i'm still pretty sure that if you gave me six or seven things blindfolded i'd only be vaguely in the dark on the best of them after having tasted quite a few yeah yeah and this (laughs) within um what in the space of the film feels like two to three weeks. Yeah, yeah. He's suddenly <clears throat> nailing with almost precisely something that he either was lucky enough to have stolen or perhaps never tried and read a description of yeah. and is somehow able to imagine from that <laughs> that he's able to do that. And I guess that that was another point. And I think that's where I started going from I don't like this film to I'm getting angry with this <laughs> film because... It's created this thing where you're, you're asking the, the people that ultimately sympathize with this person through this wacky adventure. And, and they do, it is, I mean, I guess depending on how you feel about it, it's like, oh, it's a victimless crime, but it is also a crime.
1: Um, yeah,
0: yeah. and what, and okay, I have to go to spoiler territory now. Mm. Um, at the end, right? Yeah. He, it's basically established, you know. He's there's this cycle of violence. He yeah. can't get out of. He there's a scene where um, his girlfriend's aunt, cousin, or something, has an apartment, and mm. he's going to be safe there. But it turns out he's been followed there, so they can't go there. They're not safe there. Um, and it's it's and it's never addressed why they can't just go two towns away. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears> and you alluded before. Well, okay, maybe they have family structure or whatever. But they do this heist. Um, things go the way they go I won't spoil all the back and forth stuff yeah. of other than to say that the other science fiction conceit is that they would keep the dumbest mm. character in the world with them without really fully ever establishing why yeah, yeah. they would put up with him for two minutes um, or you know, trust him yeah, in yeah. something this big um, and then at the end our character drives off with his partner and baby and there's been no real discussion about the partner. Like, to that point, she hadn't been in the film for, like, a half hour. Mm. You don't even really quite know how she feels about her family. And it's just like, oh, okay, bye. And it's like, they they stole the money so they can leave. And it, it's a weird... I mean, maybe it's meant to be a fairy tale? Is that is that what I'm missing? Yeah, pos- like, possibly. Like, I mean, it, it certainly moves away
1: from his standard sort of realist sort of um, fear from...
0: Several films back, or well, for most of its output, um, but it didn't. There was no it is, it individual is kind of moment that felt like it was supposed to be fantasy. It felt like it was heavily contrived reality. Yeah, is what yeah. they were aiming for. Yeah, um, which is is well, different. Like, for
1: me, for me, what I felt was it was like a, a standard kind of feel-good dramedy plot where you just kind of. Make things up and 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 put a put a story together that you feel like could be a bit of a laugh or a caper, mm-hmm. um, and you. But the setting with which which it's in and the characters that are in it are portrayed in a more social realist fashion. Yeah. And so, like, I, I agree with you that it's an it's, it's, it feels like an odd fusion. Yeah, um, and that's and a- it's not my favourite Loach film by far. I, I pre- yeah. much prefer his My Name Is Joe things one that shakes the barley, i did, i quite liked um come on you're supposed to love this film so we can really get into it <laughs> yeah. but 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 and saying yeah. that i did enjoy it like yeah. the i, I like the characters i mean i i dug the scotch stuff i kind of i get it i understand your frustration with the fact that the character unrealistically suddenly knows all about whiskey but at the same time okay he takes it two steps too far but i i remember when when i was on my honeymoon we had this wine tasting tour that my dad organised uh, or that we kind of asked and he, he shouted us for as a, a sort of wedding present, part of wedding present. Yeah. Um, and we went round um, tasting and talking to winemakers and I hadn't drank a lot of wine but I got kind of obsessed with it over a year period or something like that. And uh, and then I was having discussions with winemakers, asking all these questions, giving my opinion on stuff because that's the kind of person I am. And, yeah. and, and apparently having quite a good nose and palate for it um, and – making some quite seemingly educated calls about stuff that I really didn't know much about.
0: Um, yeah. the, the bridge too far is when he's able to name a specific, yeah, specific brand of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. It's, and that, that was the one that, um, yeah, well, if, I feel if like he, that. If I he would... was able to, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be able to say, these are the four or five things that you're able to taste. It's PD or just be like, yeah. a lot of it's just like, you know, there's a the bit at the original distillery he goes to where he smells the, um, uh, Christmas cake or yeah, something, yeah. and it's like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, th- but that makes uh, any anybody who has a well-developed nose, yes. yeah, that's um, that. I I buy that. Yeah, it, it's and maybe that's the thing is that I th- I I feel like all every step along the way, in every Ken Loach film I've seen, he's not content enough to let it at the level that you that I'd believe it at, yeah, yeah. and push it one step beyond to get. His rhetorical point. One last thing, I'm going to pick on this film for. Are you a fan of?
1: And and I of, I already know the answer to this, but <laughs> are you a fan of um of uh,
0: Lars Von Trier? Oh, that's a complicated question. Um, I have uh, profoundly mixed feelings about Lars Von yeah, Trier yeah. films. Um, I mean, Breaking the Waves is one of my. Uh, a prof- it, it affected me a lot. Because um, I mean, hugely uh, important film to they're me. They're very different filmmakers, um, but he does a yeah. similar kind of thing. Uh, like
1: if I think of the kind of a, a string of movies that, for me, sit together: um, yeah. Breaking the Waves, um, Dancer in the Dark, and um, The Idiots. No, Dogville. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, where he essentially takes uh, takes a, a very, very heavy handedly with an extreme. <laughs> distaste for subtlety um takes an idea yeah. but he, he takes that idea and he pushes it slowly but surely and very quickly gets to the edge of believability and then just takes it well past but to my mind to make a a very kind of heavy-handed point but makes the point nonetheless um to ask you questions about uh, or for me like say dogville the whole idea of the late character's name is grace um yeah. she goes to this place um They help her out, but then suddenly the string's attached, um, people start treating her unwell, and the whole idea of how much grace can she have, um, what is too far? At what point is it too much? And it goes well beyond the points of believability or reasonableness, and then you get the ending where she makes a decision...
0: Which is very ungraceful. Um, yeah, but Dogville is also shot on a soundstage with strips of yeah, the yeah, tape, yeah. You know? and, yeah, I agree. I mean, but and, but, but, uh, and, and <laughs> um... he has fantastical elements
1: in all his all of the all of his films, yeah. like um, with um, even Dan- breaking the waves with chapter the wave, headings. He, yeah, yeah, there's the chapter headings, and there's her moments with God. You know, yeah. Um, but those are powerful moments. I mean, are they, they are, yeah, but, yeah. but they're more fantastical. And dancer in the dark, there's breaking into song and, and yeah, yeah. having that kind of whole fantasy element in it. But the, the point is the same. he, has, he takes what. Starts out to be a somewhat realistic sort of thing, and then pushes it way too far. And I guess Ken Loach is certainly not the same filmmaker, and he's, yeah. he's, but but he, he's not necessarily saying, in those situations, that this is, are, all completely real. Although he 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 more so is in, in much of his other films. But right. Just wondering whether there's a, a place for him to be able to push a point too far.
0: I think. I mean, maybe it's a bit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not about to give Lars von Trier any um. Uh, awards for subtlety, but I do think I, I think a lot of his films are more based in a yeah. melodramatic tradition, yeah. where it's playing with a, um, melodrama at a yeah. very you know extreme level, yeah. and and kind of at the same time, you know, films like Breaking the Waves, um, where you know, and it's um, apart from the chapter headings and that, yeah. you know, using the handheld and other things to create this very kind of realistic. Feeling to it, yeah. well, until which is completely violated with the last shot of the film, yeah. um, where you know it could come, There, there's there there's some interesting tensions there. But I never never think that von Trier is making a film because he has a political agenda yeah. to forward. I've never no yeah. got that from his work. And I'm I'm trying to think of a I think, I think it's right. gonna, Do you think yeah. is explicitly political? Yeah. That, um, Ken Loach is certainly political. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another other filmmakers that are political that I really care for, and um, it's hard from you know none are particularly coming to mind. I mean, you know, like this sister, which I mentioned before. Yeah. You know, the politics of the situation and the class distinctions and stuff could be played up, but it's kept at a you know very explicit yeah, distance. Yeah. i think. You know, I
1: don't know that anyone. I can't think off the top of my head anyone who's as explicitly political as he is. Yeah, well, that, that's, um, a, that's an extreme. What I would, what I would suggest maybe is um, if you can stomach it, <laughs> you're gonna make me watch another Ken Loach. Yeah, show. yeah. Oh God. Watch um, if you, and and if you can get through the first one, try the second one. I would say watch either My Name Is Joe and or Sweet Sixteen. Okay. Um, as examples of his non. Um, period, film, social realist drama, right. which is not at all fantastical
0: or or comedic. Oh, here we go. We'll talk about Mike Lee for a minute. Actually, yeah. um, this is a good point because I, I, you know, you're talking about these yeah, um, thought, yeah, good. settings, and and um and we're talking about Naked before, which you mm. hadn't seen, but I had, and that that was a film that's you know certainly um, plays in a <laughs> similar milieu. Yeah. Um, but is even more stylized from a writing perspective goes to some very dark places um and yet yet i'm very comfortable with that film and maybe ultimately because um it maybe just because i've seen other mike lee films mm. um i actually comfortable is not a good word to describe naked because it's a profoundly uncomfortable film, film. Yeah. but um Also, because it is so uncomfortable, it doesn't feel like a thesis statement. You know, Secrets and Lies doesn't feel like a thesis statement to me. Um, Even some of his films that I haven't enjoyed as much. Um, And to to the extent to which his films fall apart, it tends to be where they become... Where you start seeing the hand of God working. Yeah, yeah. um, When the music starts coming at the end of Secrets and Lies and Timothy Spall screaming and it's just a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's... um, the, the nub of it for for me is just yeah. when I can't believe it um what I do want to say before I forget it as my last point about it I have a soft spot in my heart for heist films oh, I yeah, yeah. really love a good heist film I from Rafifi and you know a lot of those great French films to um, Soderbergh's ocean Olo- oceans 11. 11 and the Aura. Um, sorry now the aura Oh, is that the um, Fabian... Fabian Be- Bieliski, yeah. I haven't seen that one. I've seen Nine oh. Queens, which I fairly enjoyed, but I haven't seen yeah, the aura. Yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy that. Um, I'd love, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see it. I meant to, and I missed it at the festival. Um, but, um, yeah, it's one of those that... Um, formulas, and um, Argo, although it doesn't... Um, oh, right. That upcoming Ben Affleck yeah, thing, yeah. although it's not technically a heist film. Oh, well. it's, it's, it, it's about getting people sort of, out, yeah. It's yeah. the same sort of, we've, we've got a mission. A fast but, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so... Um, but I think that the reason a good heist film works um is because the filmmakers are kind of in love with the mechanics of the whole thing, yeah, and like you know get you in on the um, there's just a lot there tend to be a lot of surface pleasures in the filmmaking yeah, as well, yeah. and um that was just something that was entirely lacking and i mean there's a reason. I mean he probably wouldn't have taken the job anyway, but there's a reason that Ken Loach has never been called by Hollywood to make a heist film up till yeah, now yeah, yeah. in his life. And um and when when this film that, you know, starts as maybe a character piece of these unlikely friends that then turns into horrible social realism violence. I mean horrible in the sense of it being horrific, not in yeah. terms of the quality of the filmmaking and then Um, turns into a real good dramedy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then let's hit, let's hit the road and put on some kilts and put on, uh, proclaimers music. Yeah. I mean, I actually, that was when I kind of dropped my jaw and I'm like, they're actually non-ironically in 2012 putting on the proclaimers. I'm going to be 500 miles for people driving across the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I guess yeah. I want you to go see it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um but here here's a question for you. Yeah. Um just to kind of expand this discussion before we call it a day. When's the right time to give up on a filmmaker? And is there any who have you given up on? Have you given up on anybody?
1: Oh, I don't know. How I g- given i given up on heaps? I gave up on some actors for a while, but then mm. was proved wrong. Like for instance, um I had my probably my first actual walk, film walkout experience in this film called Fearless, not the gently fighting one, but the... The Peter uh, Weir film? Yeah, the yeah. Peter Weir film with... Um, uh,
0: Jeff Bridges. Jeff
1: Bridges, yeah. And then it wasn't until Lebowski that I tagged back in. Right. Um,
0: and I didn't see Lebowski in cinemas, unfortunately. Did you have that... It was your issue with... Um, your issue was entirely with Jeff Bridges' performance? No, as well as it, was the, it was
1: with the film. Um, right. I just found it incredibly dull. Um, and it didn't help that he was at the centre of it and just put right. me off. Um, but in terms of directors, I I don't know if there's a director that I've that I've written off. Um,
0: Uwe Boll. <laughs> is it? Do you not know who Uwe oh, Boll? Oh, Uwe Boll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No. No. Um, I, yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, there are certain styles of film i tend to avoid just maybe because not because i don't think they might be good and it. it's not like i'll avoid every kind of one but like they just don't naturally appeal partially because then i I can't relate to them or whatever like the several generations of women dealing with their communication issues or whatever um, <laughs> um which is you know yeah, all, yeah. all well
0: and good but that, that that sounds like my equivalent yeah. of the women having tea in the countryside during World War II <laughs> yeah. uh, film, both, yeah. both of which can generally be seen in our uh, yeah. cities' art houses. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, which is understandable, I'm not a woman,
1: um, yeah. and I, I just find some of that stuff a little bit dull, um, but yeah, um, it's not to say that I'd write off a film.
0: Yeah, I tend to write off films by directors all the time, and the the name that just popped into my head was rob marshall who did um chicago which was the last twelve myself uh, i had and then also did um yeah i dodged Chicago, and you dug chicago no i dodged it oh um I didn't as in as in dodging a bullet yeah. that's a very apropos um the actually yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean the stuff like that i mean a lot of musicals i'm not into i like a lot of classic old musicals you know you, you've been crosby's and and fred and ginger kind of ones yeah. um more recent ones, not so keen on... Um, you didn't go see Pitch Perfect? No. Um, <laughs> I I was... I don't think I saw it at the movies, but I, I was convinced to watch the DVD of... Um, oh, it was Baz Luhrmann's...
0: Moulin Rouge? Yeah. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's another one that I <laughs> can't imagine going to. <laughs> but then there are musical things that I actually
1: quite enjoy, you know, that that aren't really musicals, but they break into musicals, like... I as, as much as many people hated hated on it. I quite enjoyed once when it came out. Oh,
0: I loved once. Um, yeah, I've watched it recently and it still holds yeah. up for me.
1: Um, but also things like you know, like I was saying with um, Dance from the Dark from Lars von Trier, which had you know busted into musical yeah. things with Bjork, um, which was fantastic. You know? To go
0: back to Dance in the Dark a bit, that's a film that I would probably say that I have a similar problem to Ken Loach with in yeah. terms of um, the very. Make- overly mechanical yeah. feeling of that. And some of that's melodrama and yeah. some of that's ameliorated by the surface yeah. pleasures of the film and the musical and things like that. Um, and again, also maybe some of it's the Lars Trier making a film set in America with very dubious understanding yeah. of American legalities <laughs> and things um, when he's never been there. Yeah. Um, and kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a strange film, but, um... Yeah, but Von Trier is a person that I... Yeah. Like, almost every film I watch now, I kind of wrestle with his whole yeah. filmography in a yeah. really tediously complicated way, yeah. and it's like, it's only when he does something really outside of the box, like Five Obstructions, or yeah, yeah. Boss of It All, yeah. where I'm just kind of, like, able to be like, okay, I don't need to think about this as some yeah. synthesis of 20 all of years. The stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is a good way to watch things. Yeah. Um... Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. No, I think that's us. We haven't gone for two hours. No. 46 minutes. Oh, well. Um, That's probably way more than you ever wanted to hear about the Angel's Share, but uh, thanks for coming, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks.